This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Father, as we, well, as we come reverently and humbly, Father God, before you and your word, we just want to thank you again for the Holy Spirit that you've sent to lead and guide us into all the truth. So as we behold wonderful things from your holy word, Father, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, not only in the knowledge of you, but Father, may the eyes of our understanding be enlightened to know the hope of your calling. Father God, I thank you for strengthening us by your spirit and our inner man. That Father God, that we live by faith as people of faith, And I know, Father God, that there are things you desire to do in each and every one of our lives. So we look to you tonight. Father, I believe that faith will be stirred within the hearts of people to look to you, to trust you, to believe you. And Father, to see the things that you have promised come to pass within their lives. Hallelujah. Father, we believe and know that the best is yet to come for our lives. Even though we go through trial or tribulation, test. Thank God, praise God, glory to God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you will see us through unto victory. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 11, beginning with verse 12. And on the morrow, when they, the disciples and Jesus, were come from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if Perhaps he might find anything thereon, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of the fig, or figs, was not yet. And Jesus answering said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. Drop down to verse 20. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said to, the, said to Jesus, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Everybody say that together. Have faith in God. Say it one more time. Have faith in God. He went on then to explain, for verily or truly I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you yours. Hallelujah. So he seems to indicate here in these scriptures that in order for faith to be functional within your life, you have to be a person who's free of unforgiveness. Huh? He said, when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. Sometimes folks will say, well, I just can't. Well, that's not really true. Uh, the truth of the matter is you can. You may not feel like it, but it can be done. Hallelujah. But thank God we walk by faith and not the way we feel. So if we need to clear some things up or clean some things up within our heart, you know, it just takes a little bit of an adjustment. I mean, you can tell Jesus exactly how you feel. You can say, God, I don't feel like doing this at all. But praise God, you said that I needed to forgive. So as an act of my will, I choose, not because of what I feel, but because because I want to please you, I choose to forgive this person. Hallelujah. And I believe that when we do those things, that the feelings will follow. Are you with me? It's a dangerous place to find yourself in a place of unforgiveness. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul was talking about this in 1 Corinthians. Remember the guy that ran off with his stepmother? Uh, he was married, this, this couple was married, and the, the son took off with the, the woman in the church, and, in, and they weren't doing anything about it. And so G, uh, Paul rebuked him pretty sharply about it. Well, and then he went on to say, he said, uh, to whom you forgive any, and the guy repented and got everything straightened up and, and so on and so forth. So, so <clears throat> when he was writing then, he said, to whom you forgive anything, I also do, you know, and he goes on uh, at the point I want to make in this, he says, uh, lest Satan, uh, 
should take or get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Okay? You know, the devil has his schemes. He has, uh, the King James used the word wiles or schemes or devices that he uses to devour people's lives, one of which is unforgiveness. You know, well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, that may be true. I mean, sometimes you can't imagine some of the things that people do, but we're still obligated to forgive. Why? Because he forgave us. Huh? You know, and so that's not really my subject, but it is in the context of, you know, if you want to have a vibrant, active, vital kind of faith, uh, where your life is concerned, then it becomes important for us to make sure that our heart is clear when it comes to these things. So we've been talking about this. Pastor Glenn, for the past couple of weeks, has done a magnificent job in sharing about this subject and talking about faith, what it is, what it's not, okay? And then also how it works, the functionality of faith within our lives. Glory to God. So, <clears throat> and, and why it's important is simple. Everything, as it relates to our relationship with God, functions through the avenue of faith. He, he's a faith God. We are people of faith, you know. And, uh, you know, and when I say that, I'm talking about having faith in God. I'm having, talking about having faith towards God, you know, uh, and uh, faith to please God. And really, the, the reason is kind of simple, because he's invisible. Huh? I mean, you know, if you got him, then you don't need faith. But in the meantime, while we're here in this earthbound existence, then faith becomes a priority where our lives are concerned. Isn't that right? And I tell you what, praise God, you can have faith in God. That's what Jesus told us to do. Amen? We can't see God. He's invisible to the natural eye. And yet you can see the results of God and His influence in all matters of our lives. So uh, tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about the components of faith, things that we need in order for faith to you know, Bible faith, real Bible faith to exist within our lives. And uh, notice what Jesus said here in verse 22. And I'll just ask this question. What is it that I'm to have faith in? Who is it that I'm to have faith in? In who? Have faith in what? Have faith in God. He didn't say have faith in your own ability. He didn't say have faith in your grandma's faith. He didn't say, you know, you know, you just whatever, whatever. No, he said to have faith in God, because God is the one, praise God, as the Bible says, that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think, because of the power that works within us. How many of you believe that tonight? He's able, glory to God. So in talking about this and dealing with this, you know, uh, Jesus said, he talked about whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. I think the important dynamic in this is shall not doubt in his heart. People say a lot of things, but it's with the heart that man believes unto righteousness. So that, that becomes a very, very important dynamic within faith being vibrant and active within our lives that we, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. So he talks about the command of faith, whosoever shall say. But then also, then he ties this same uh, principle into your prayer life. When he says, therefore, what things soever you desire when you pray, again, the same principle, believe that you receive them and you shall have, believe with your heart and you shall have them. So in these two verses, he talks about the command of faith, and he also talks about the petition or the prayer of faith, and he uses it, you know, within that way. So what, my point to sharing that with you this evening is to simply say this, you know, the things that you say matter, okay? The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, our mouth speaks. Everybody believes something. You know, it's just a matter of what it is that you believe. And when you begin to communicate that, then it starts to take what it is you believe and bring it into a reality where your life is concerned. That's why, thank God, we have his word. We've got the Bible to straighten out our thinking, hallelujah, and to straighten out what we believe. And so it becomes important to understand the things we say, they do matter, and the things, obviously, that you believe, 
You know, people, you know, uh, somebody was showing me, uh, I think Doug was just showing me about this gal, you know, she's a celebrity and, and uh, she's become a pansexual, is that what you said? Yeah, I think that's what it was. You know, basically what that means is, is they just have all these perversions and they'll sleep with anything or anyone, basically, you know. Well, uh, uh, yippee skippy, but I tell you what, that'll send you to hell in a hurry. Not only that, it'll destroy your life, you know, but they don't know that. And, but that's, you know, what they've come to believe. You know, devils get a hold of people and uh, convince them of a lot of things. It doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> Are you listening to me? You say, well, that's a wild example. Well, that's the world in which we live, you know. But thank God the word of faith, which we preach, can not only change your life, praise God, but it can set the captive free. Glory to God. Jesus said you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. What she believes is not the truth by any stretch of the imagination. The devil is a liar and has convinced her of things that are so untrue that will do nothing but destroy her life no matter who she is. So if I'm going to have faith in God, the first component that I'm going to need is knowledge. Everybody say knowledge. We're talking about three different components or, or elements that are necessary. You need to have knowledge, the knowledge of God, the, the, the will of God, knowledge of his will. Now, you know, in some circles, churches and things, you know, they're very mysterious and ambiguous about the will of God and, and what can be known. Well, you know, this is called the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. So his will is his word or the word. And you can look into the perfect law of liberty or the word of God and you can discover the will of God. What's unfortunate is, in a lot of circles, again, people will make it some mysterious kind of thing, you know, and God being sovereign and, you know, all of this and that and the other, and, and somehow or another move people from a place of being able to have faith to, well, you know, we just never know. You're just going to have to wait and see what happens, you know. Well, thank God we don't have to do that. We can look into the Word of God. We can find out what He says and then we can begin to believe that, and not only that, but in believing, act upon what it is he said, and see it manifested within our lives. Hallelujah. But we need the knowledge of God, or the will of God. So, <clears throat> I'll give you a great example. Uh, I wasn't saved until I was 19, uh, maybe uh, three, four months before my uh, 20th birthday. But, um, you know, people would say, God has a plan for your life. Well, you know, I didn't know that God had a plan for my life. Matter of fact, God was not even part of the equation. I was just like everybody else, going down the road of life, doing what everybody else does, depending on what circles you get into. You know, you just kind of live the way they live because it seems to somehow or another fit. I didn't know that God had a plan for my life. Did you know that there is a divine destiny upon your life? God, you're not a mistake. You didn't come into this, this world just to take up space. He gave birth and life to you for a reason. Are you listening to me? And so he has this plan. You know, uh, we use it often in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and give you a future. I like that. Now, it doesn't matter what the circumstances may say. It doesn't matter what the media may say. It doesn't matter what the preacher even has to say if it doesn't line up with this. It's still the truth. Are you with me? So, so, so I form and I shape my behaviors, my thinking, my believing, and everything that I'm doing, I give shape to those things on the basis of what he said. Are you with me? Now, you know, there's always pushback. People will say, well, you know, that's not what he meant or that he didn't say that or, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of things that the devil will use to try to keep people out of the will of God. But thank God his word is eternally true. And I tell you what, glory to God, if you'll believe him, it'll change your life. So I found out God's got a plan for your life. Wow. That was news to me. You with me? Now, some people say, you know, you go up to some people, you say, well, God has a plan for your life. Say, I don't even believe in God. Well, the, the reality is, it doesn't matter whether they believe in God or not, the God, the creator of heaven and earth, has a plan for that purpose, that person's life. 
And they may live and die and never know it. That's why knowledge of God is so important to any person's life. Are you listening to me? You know, the Bible, you know, and, and so when I, had, when I found out that God had a plan for my life, I said, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But I tell you what, I was sure glad to find out about it. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. Nobody ever told me. I grew up in a mainline denominational church, but I, I didn't get that message. You know, it was probably my fault. But whatever happened, I just, I missed that part. You know, that God had a plan for my life. And there were a lot of other elements that probably contributed to that. But you know, the Bible makes reference to a, a plan of salvation. The Bible says that God is not willing that any person should perish. That's the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning every person. Now we know, even though it's not the will of God that, every, that any should perish, some have and are and will perish. And they will perish because of what they do not know. God said, my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. So everybody say it together. Thank God for his word. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and, and you know, when you, when you begin to look at the Bible, you find out that God doesn't want you to live in fear. He said, be careful for nothing. Never be anxious about anything. But in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, everybody say peace. Yeah, will keep or guard your heart and your mind. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1, or chapter 1, verse 7, that God has not given you the spirit of fear. Okay? Well, certainly we have opportunities to be afraid. We have opportunities to be anxious. We, we have opportunities to be, you know, concerned or careful about lots of things. But yet the Bible says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? You know, but if you don't know that, then, you know, you don't have much to work with. Hallelujah. We find in the scriptures that God will supply all our need. I didn't know that God would supply all my needs. I didn't know that God wanted to supply all my needs, okay? You find out in the scriptures, you know that God doesn't want you to be sick. You know, sickness and disease is an enemy. It's not a friend of anyone, you know? And thank God when Jesus came, he redeemed us, not only from, you know, the curse of sin, but also that of sickness and disease. And, you know, I also discovered that as a believer, I've been redeemed, well, you know, you might have to ask yourself and back up the train a little bit and just say, what have I been redeemed from? Well, thank God the Bible will tell you that too. We've been redeemed from the curse of law, so on and so forth. But again, I'm using all these examples to say that it is the knowledge that we have of God and his will. And we already decided that the book, you know, that's his will, right? Y'all believe that, don't you? Okay. And, and so, <clears throat> so at the end of the day, you know, really the knowledge of God is found or discovered in one place and one place alone, and that is the Word of God, the Bible. Thank God. You know, now some people don't believe in the Bible. Well, that's their prerogative, but they might want to back up and rethink that, huh? Because they're in, you know, faith begins where the will of God is known. I talked to you about the fact that God had a plan for my life. Well, you know, people would tell me that, but, you know, it just got, it, it got, it got past me, you know. When, when they said God loves you and he has a plan for your life and Jesus came so that you wouldn't have to wind up in hell. You know, when I heard what they were saying, that's the Bible, isn't it? Isn't that true, what they're telling me? You know, faith is coming. You know, I'm listening. And, you know, if I'd have just listened to my heart instead of my head... You know, because my head says, you don't want any of this. You don't want to do that. If you do that, you won't be able to do this. You won't be able to do that. You know, you'll just be a nerd, you know, or whatever. I mean, you know, when you're 19 years old, you don't know much. Huh? But thank God he got through to me. Hallelujah. Jesus got through to me and changed my life forever. Romans 10 and 17, you're familiar with it. You don't have to look at it. But faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And listen, don't confuse Bible knowledge with church traditions. Because I tell you what, man, religion will kill you. 
You know, they'll tell you, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. I tell you one of the most freeing things I ever heard one time when a guy was, you know, ministering. He said, God is not a lot of do's and don'ts, but he will change your wants and your needs. But I tell you what, religion is so legalistic, it just reeks, you know, with, with performance and what I have done and what I have accomplished and, you know, what I am not, you know, and all of these different kinds of things. Well, if you read the Bible, it says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we're kind of in the same boat. No matter what our station in life may be, whatever our social status is, whatever culture that we come from, whatever the color of our skin might be, we're all in this deal together, and Jesus came to redeem every one of us. Hallelujah. But we want to make big deals out of all this other stuff. Are you with me? So we need to be careful about what it is that we accept. You know, and don't let, you know, well, I've been told... Or, uh, I just believe, you know, um, um, don't confuse the two. (laughs) You know, that stuff with accurate knowledge. Well, I just believe. You know, I hear that all the time. You know, I'll pitch the gospel to some, well, I just believe. And then they go off on some tangent. They'll say, you know, you know, uh, uh, this is my church and we're out in the middle of the mountains. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, they don't know much about church, but okay, that's all good. You know, this is where I talk to God and God talks to me. Well, thank God for your location and all of that kind of thing. But let's not confuse a relationship, a living relationship with the creator of heaven and earth and what it is that he has created that is so beautiful. Are you with me? You know, God's not in the rocks or in the trees. Huh? I will lift up mine eyes into the hills. From whence cometh my help? You know, my help cometh from the Lord. We know God's not in the hills. Okay, thank God for the hills. Are you with me? You know, but God is a creator, uh, 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 the master creator of all things. Hallelujah. And so thank God for that. Did I I say that right? Do you understand what I'm saying there? Okay. Here's another thing. Don't mistake your current circumstances um, with... Um, or as being the will of God. There's a lot of people that are not in the will of God. They got trouble on every side. They got all kinds of things. And yet some people will say, well, you know, this is, you know, your cross to bear. This is what, you know, you're having to go through all this or that or the other. And a lot of it that people are experiencing, we've already been redeemed from, but they don't know that. And so they live with it. I just talked to a person here the other day and, you know, God bless him. I mean, yeah, good guy, knows Jesus, loves the Lord, you know, and that type of thing. But man, I tell you what, he's living far below the privileges that he could in Christ Jesus if he just knew some things. Are you with me? Y'all glad you came tonight? Can't really decide how you're looking at me. Praise the Lord. You know, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> yeah. All right, I guess I'll just keep going and see how, how it all turns out. How about that? Here's another thought for you. We don't want to confuse the way we feel or think or, or see certain circumstances in our lives if they don't line up with the Word of God as being the will of God. You know, when I first got saved, dude, my life was a mess. There wasn't anything in it that represented the will of God. So there had to be a whole lot of changing that needed to go on in order for his will to invade my life. And it meant that I had to put away this and put this in, you know, and like, you know, the Apostle Paul said, put off this and put on this. So there were things I had to start doing. And guess what? My circumstances changed. My attitude changed. My, my life changed. My behavior changed. All these things started to change. Hallelujah. For the good. So we don't want to miss out on God's best because we, well, I just feel this way or I just that. or that. Feelings are, are uh, fickle at best, you know? So it becomes important, praise God, for us um, to make sure that we're looking at the right thing. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, you're familiar with it. You don't have to turn there. It says, therefore, be not conformed to this world but be transformed or changed by the renewing 
of your mind. You've got to change the way. We're talking about faith and the components that make Bible faith a reality in our lives. But you have to renew your mind because if you let your old carnal mind or natural mind be the thing that's controlling you, you know, it's just like right now, you know, the media, I don't, they don't have Trump to, to bash anymore. I don't even know what they're doing, you know. But, but the thing of it is, is that your eternal salvation, your livelihood, your, you know, the destiny that God has on your life has nothing to do whether you're a, a politician, if you're a Republican, if you're a Democrat, or something in between. Did you know that? And yet, people are absolutely being controlled by all of the stuff that's going on and who's saying this and that and the other. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, life's too short to get too stirred up about that. Huh? Are you with me? Well, now, no, I ain't going there. I don't have time for that. Here's what God said. Let's, let's talk about what he said. In Isaiah 55, he said, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, or nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts and your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven returns not thither, um, but waters the earth makes it to bring forth uh, and bud so that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, it says, now listen to this, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void. Aren't you glad for that? And then it says, it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the place that I send it. So if I start talking or saying the same things that God does, then God's will is going to become manifest in my life. Example, he said, don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Simple enough, but rather that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearer. Another scripture says that a gentle answer turns away wrath. Now that's what the Bible says. But if I violate what the Bible says, and I decide that I'm going to go toe-to-toe with somebody in some argument, guess what? I'm not in the will of God, and I'm not going to experience the will of God. Would that be right? You know, in a married relationship, you know, when it says, don't ever let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, my wife and I, we don't speak evil of one another. We don't raise our voice at one another. We don't, you know, and some people say, oh my God, how do you communicate? Very well, thank you. You know, you can actually talk and communicate without yelling. And you can do it without demeaning kinds of um, innuendos. Or, or in, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, inferences and things of that nature. If you're going to have God's best, then you've got to do it God's way. That's all there is to it. Now, people say, well, you don't know who I'm living with. Well, maybe not. But I'm telling you, praise God, that if you want to win in life, then you better learn to do things or do life the way that he says it. You with me? talking about having the knowledge of God where our lives are concerned. Because he said here in this scripture, he said, my word that goes out of my mouth, it will perform exactly what it says. Hallelujah. And it'll prosper. Glory to God. So <clears throat> you need to understand that when it comes to having Bible faith, faith never stands alone. It has to have evidence. Okay? I mean, in other words, what is our faith in? He said, have faith in who? God. Or have faith in his word and what it is that he said. He said he would lead us in the way in which we should go. You know, there are times all the time, I mean, I'm walking down the hallway, you know, in my, my house, and I'll just say, Father, I just want to thank you that you lead me, that you're leading me, that you're guiding me. Hallelujah. Why? Because he said he would. You know, thank God, what a powerful, you know, kind of thing that's available to us as believers. But you'll hear people all day, well, he never tells me nothing, never said anything to me, you know. 
Well, isn't there a little bit of a difference between those two things? What, what does a person believe? They believe God never tells them anything. You know, God never speaks to me. God never shows me that, you know, well, they get help. The devil, you know, he'll do anything he can to thwart the will of God in your life. But you know what we have to do is we have to take the, the scriptures and say that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And Jesus said he would bring these things to our remembrance, that he would guide us in all the truth. So let's start saying, Father, I want to thank you that you guide me in the way that you would have me to go. Hallelujah. My steps are ordered of you. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And God delights in my way. Hallelujah. And I delight in his. Are you with me? Hallelujah. And when you do that, of course, but again, you know, faith isn't going to just stand on, well, I just have faith. Faith in what? You know, it's got to be in him. It's got to be in the word. It's got to be in what he said. You know, we have to be fully persuaded. That's what happened, you know, when people pitched me the gospel. It took a little while because it had a little, it had a few things it had to get through, <laughs> you know, in order to penetrate my heart and, and bring me to the place of being able to say, you know, I believe God. I believe his word. I believe I need him. Amen. And so I surrendered. I repented. I said, God, you know, be the Lord of my life. Boom. Everything changes. Glory to God forevermore. Aren't you glad for that in your life? So it needs to have evidence. Now, let's look at, uh, yeah, let's go over there. We got a little time. Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Y'all glad you came tonight? I have three components that I want to share with you. We're still on number one, in case you're concerned about it. And and uh, I'm, I'm probably more concerned about it than you are. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. Hebrews 1. We're talking about the fact that faith needs to have evidence. It doesn't stand by itself. Look at verse 1. It says that faith, this is King James, faith is the substance, or uh, New King James says the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. goes on and says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. It says that through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Hallelujah. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaks. By faith Enoch, hallelujah, was translated that he should not see death. He was not found because God translated him before, the, before his translation. He had this testimony that he pleased God. Woo! But without faith... It is impossible, everybody say impossible. It is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must first of all believe that he is or that he exists and that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. Glory to God. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. My wife and I, when we were first married, had the good fortune of knowing Jesus. So when we made our decision that we were going to be a follower of his, as disciples of his, that we were going to obey him, that we were going to do what he told us to do, it has rewarded our lives in an immeasurable kind of way. Now, maybe your circumstance was that you didn't come to know him until later in life, but I tell you what, God can redeem a lot of junk. Huh? You know, when we decide that we're going to obey God and follow him, I tell you what, he can make up for lost time. Are you listening to me? So you don't have to, you know, get discouraged because of wherever it is that you are. Start where you are and move up. Because he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, as this scripture says. So in this scripture, we are talking about the fact that faith has to have evidence that it, it doesn't stand alone. Lots of Bible translations will say that this faith is the assurance, the confidence, the reality. But it is the evidence of what we cannot see. The Amplified Bible says that faith is the assurance, the confirmation, or the title deed. Hallelujah. 
of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact that which is not revealed to the senses. You know, when God called my wife and I into the ministry, I can only speak, I guess, from my own experience. You know, we didn't even have a clue where we were doing or what we we're doing. I mean, we just said, yeah. You know, now if I'd, if I'd have known, I might have, whatever. But anyway, you know, it just took off because we believed that God had called us to the ministry. And there were a lot of unknowns, you know. I mean, uh, I mean, we just, we thought a lot of different things and we realized that our thinking wasn't necessarily true. We thought everything was just going to be hunky-dory, wonderful, you know. God loves everybody. He loves us. He loves them. Everything's, you know, going to be cool. But the reality is uh, we went through some hell. And so all of a sudden, you know, we're, you know, questioning. Any of you ever questioned things before? You know, we didn't sign up for this. Oh, yeah, you signed up. You just didn't know what you signed up for. Huh? Well, the thing is, is the, you know, James says, listen, count it all joy. Consider it wholly joyful whenever you fall into various temptations, tests, and trials, knowing this. What are we supposed to know, James? That the trial of your faith works endurance. Hallelujah. Let it have its work so that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. Hallelujah. Huh? Isn't that right? In other words, you can't have a testimony without a test. Now, I'm not looking for them. I don't have to look for them. They show up on their own. But what they're intended to do is to get me to not believe what it is that God has promised. You're not called. This ain't going to work. You're going to fail. You'll never make it. I don't know what's wrong with you. You might as well go, you know, whatever. Well, you know, the devil's a liar. Are you with me? I don't know about you. I'm glad that we didn't quit. Huh? And the same thing's true in your life. You know, maybe things haven't planned out the way that you'd like for them as soon as you would like for them, but it doesn't change God's promise in your life. He said, I'll watch over my word to perform it. Hallelujah. So we continue to believe him. Can you say amen? So we need to have accurate knowledge of the Bible. And again, you know, some people, I mean, they're, their lives are rooted in, in church traditions or whatever the case might be. And, and I'm not against traditions. You know, some traditions are good, but some of them are not, you know. Sometimes you have to unlearn, you know, some, some things and learn the right kinds of things when it comes to the Bible. Are you with me? So, and then uh, number two, well, am I going to get to number two? You know, I cannot fathom in my mind that I can't even get through three things in 45 minutes. I can't even get through one. You know? I, 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 we're not going to do two and three. Okay, I'll tell you what they are and we'll maybe try to do that next week. Is that be all right with you? Okay, good. Because I'll just get in trouble. That's all. You know, and then I'll go too late. But I do want to give you this side thought um, with regard to faith in God's word. I just want to tell you, you can trust him. You can absolutely, absolutely, absolutely trust him. Okay? You may not have all the facts. Well, I didn't. You know, we didn't. You know, we, we just, you know, we just took off. And so there was stuff that we had to learn, you know. Um, um, I don't have time to give you an example of that. But here's the thing I want to I make this point to you about God's word. We read it there. So shall my word be. Not maybe. This is the way it's going to be. You know, it will not return to me void. It will accomplish that which I please. Huh? He says, I'm God. I don't change. So when it comes to his word, you know, we're talking about the evidence of our faith. You can sure enough stand on it. But my point to that is to simply say that, you know, just as there are physical laws, you know, that govern this physical universe, there are spiritual laws. 
that, that do the very same thing. They govern the, 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 actually they govern all aspects of our lives. But again, a lot of people don't know that. Okay. I'll give you uh, an example. Um, the physical law of gravity and aerodynamics. Okay. What they have learned is, is that you can take and create a wing or a foil and because, uh, what's that guy's name? Bernoulli's, huh? Bernoulli's uh, law, you know, that you can make something fly, okay? In other words, what it ends up doing is this, this law of lift, let's call it that, supersedes that of gravity. So when my wife and I get in the plane and we go scoot around someplace or whatever the case might be, you know, when we get up enough airspeed, you know, all of a sudden, this thing starts to come up off the ground and it supersedes gravity that's trying to keep us on the ground. And we tootle around, you know. And so, so there's this law, uh, you know, of physics that says if you do this and this and this, this is what's going to happen. Well, you know, if I pull the throttle back, you know, and the plane starts to slow down, then the airspeed starts to drop and different things of that nature. And if I were to start pulling up on the nose of that plane, then pretty soon it would do what we call a stall. In other words, there's not enough airflow going across those wings in order to keep the thing in the air and guess what we're going down okay so if you don't do something to compensate for that guess what <laughs> you're, you're gonna meet the earth you with me so you keep the keep the throttle going hallelujah keep that nose where it needs to be are you with me yeah. now the thing of it is is that that law exists and it doesn't change the thing you need to understand about the laws of, of gravity and aerodynamics, it, it, it doesn't care how you feel about it. It doesn't make any difference whether you love it or you hate it. It still exists and it will still influence your life if you don't pay attention to it. Okay? So the thing that I want to share with you with regard to spiritual laws and things of that nature uh, you know, as much as if you don't, like I said, you know, if you slow the plane down, you pull the nose up, you know, what you're doing is going to govern what's going to happen in your life. And the same thing's true with spiritual things. And, and the thing you have to understand about spiritual laws, one guy referred to it as laws of living, you know, and, and it's simply this, it doesn't, the laws, the spiritual laws of the kingdom of God, they don't care how you feel about them. Well, I don't believe that. I don't this. I don't that. They, they don't care. They don't care if you love them or hate them. The reality is, is they still exist and they will govern your life. Well, I don't think, you know, that I have to treat my wife or my husband this way and I can do this and I can go out and, you know, have my little fling and whatever, you know, and do whatever and it won't matter. Well, you're entitled to believe that. But I will tell you this much about it. There are divine laws of sowing and reaping and whatever you sow, that's what you'll reap. Are you with me? So when I read in the Bible that it says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, if I got a brain in my noggin, I'm going to really work to make that happen. I'm going to find out what it means to love my wife as Christ loved the church and laid his life down and gave himself for it. And I'm also going to do the same thing, you know, where the Bible talks about that the, that the gals are to show respect or reverence to their husbands as the head, not the, not the dictator, not the God, not the whatever, but the one who's responsible. Are you with me? You know, there's so much dysfunction you know, within married relationships because they don't know how to act. And the reason they don't know how to act is because they have been taught wrong. Are you with me? So consequently, you got all this dysfunction. You got people behaving badly. You know, uh, it, it has huge repercussions. It impacts not just the couple, but if there's kids involved. I mean, it, I mean, it just, you know, goes all over the place. Are you listening to me? So that's why I say when we start talking about these things, you know, you really have to recognize, listen, God's word is true. And if you will get step in line, it will change your life for the good. 
And, and the thing of it is, it may not be immediate. You know, the thing of it is, is that's the problem with a lot of people. If they don't see an immediate change, then they say, well, it doesn't work. This whole faith thing's a bunch of junk. You know, this and that and the other. And nothing could be further from the truth. Are you, when you stand praying, when you stand in faith, what's that mean? That means God's told me how I need to behave. I'm going to do it. And I don't care if people talk ugly about me or they don't like me or they did, you know, whatever. I'm going to do what it is he told me to do. Why? Because in the end, I'm going to come out on top. I'll win every time because I chose to do the word of God. Are you with me? So anyway, we're done. That's, that's, that's all you get. Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you about there's knowledge, there's mental assent or agreement that you have to agree with the Bible, you know. Well, I don't believe that. You're out, okay? You're entitled to your whatever, but you're out. Well, you know, you understand where I'm coming from, you know? I'll give you just a little snippet. We'll talk about it next week, but Thomas is a great example of this. Jesus told all of them, all of the writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all said that Jesus said that he was going to be shamefully mistreated, he was going to be mocked, he was going to be uh, uh, taken by the hands um, of the Romans, and he would be killed, and he would, he would rise again in three days. None of them understood it. In one, in one narrative, it says that they didn't understand what he was saying, but they were afraid to ask him, you know. And um, so when he did rise from the dead, and thank God we get to celebrate that this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Hallelujah. Anyway, um, when he finally rose, or not finally, when he rose from the dead, um, he appeared to 10 of them. Thomas wasn't there. So after it was over with, these 10 came and said, dude, we've seen the Lord. And he said, nah, I ain't believing that. He said, unless I can see the print of the nail in his hands and thrust my hand inside, I'm not going to believe. I will not believe. So I'm really preaching my whole thing here because I really want to. Anyway, you know, and uh, so when Jesus did appear to them all when he was there, what did he say? He said, because you've seen, you believed. Blessed are those. Be not faithless, but believing. Huh? God wants you to believe. So there has to be, a, a, call it an intellectual agreement with the word of God that it's true. Okay? And then the uh, third thing is action, which I am not even going to talk to you about that. You know, a lot of people, they, oh, I believe. <laughs> they don't do nothing. <laughs> and guess what? They don't believe. <laughs> you say, why are you laughing about it? Because it's kind of funny. You know? Oh, I believe. Hallelujah. Yeah, well, what are you doing? Nothing. I, I, you know, I sit down with couples. You know, they're having problems in their marriage or whatever the case might be. I give them some, uh, what I would refer to as uh, recommendations. Here are some options. Okay? And, uh, you know, you think that would work? Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that'll work. You know, are you going to go home and do that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go home. I'm going to do that. You know, they go home. Do they do it? No. Why? Because they don't believe it. Huh? Voila. You know, so you come back. They come back. They, you say, okay, what did we talk about? Well, we talked about this and this and this. We had three things, you know. I said, what about that? Did you do any of that? Well, no. Well, then we're done talking. What else is there to talk about? You know, if you don't do what the Bible says to do, and hopefully, you know, I told them what the Bible says to do, you know, if you don't do it, you're never, you won't see any fruit. You with me? So don't get mad at the preacher. Well, I didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah, he really did. You just didn't do what he told you to do. Okay, it's all my defense. All right, praise the Lord. Y'all want to, well, let's pray. Commit this, commit this to your heart. Praise the Lord. Father, we love you so much. And God, I'm so thankful for what it is you've done and what you've revealed to us about how our lives can be. God, I just thank you, Father, for helping each and every one of us to take it to a new level, Lord. 
Father God, I thank you for helping us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. I thank you, Lord, for helping us to dig, oh, to drink deeply, hallelujah, from this well of salvation that's ours so that we can know the word of God, know the truth, so the truth can make us free. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing on this house. I thank you for the people that have come to hear the word of God. And Father God, whatever and to whatever they may apply your eternal word, I want to thank you, Father God, for biblical results that bring peace and joy and cheer and and meaning to their lives. And God, I just thank you so much for our relationships that we have in you. And we're just so grateful for your blessing, Father. Hallelujah. Let's just praise him a little bit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So grateful for your blessings. Thank you, Father. Teach us your ways, Father. Show us your paths. God, help us to stay in the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, let us not be taken away, Father, by the trappings of this world. But God, may we keep ourselves within your peace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Glory to God. Father, I come against anxiety. I come against worry. I come against fear right now in Jesus' name. And Father, I want to thank you, Father, for your peace to flood their hearts and minds. Whatever it was that was once troubling them, Father, will trouble them no more. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Father. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, somebody here, this fear, worry, and anxiety thing that we just prayed about, you say, what am I supposed to do? Because, man, I love this peace I'm in right now. What am I supposed to do? Keep it. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Whatever it is that was causing the fear, worry, and anxiety, if it comes to you in your thought life or elsewhere, you just say no in Jesus' name. In other words, resist. Whom resist steadfast? No, I am not taking this. I have peace. Praise God. Seems like maybe it's money. Might be money. Uh, I don't know. But I'm telling you, God just wants you to know that you don't have to worry and have care. If you'll look to him, he'll tell you what you need to do. Praise God. And then you'll have your answer. Glory to God. And then you can have a testimony. Hallelujah. You say, man, I was between a rock and a hard spot and Jesus showed up. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be good? All right. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and receive our offering. And... uh...